This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hey, come on in. We're ready to go for the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. I'm Sean Kelly. Good to be back in New Orleans and today here from Studio B for our uh, conversation with you and uh, several interesting people. And we're looking forward to wrapping up a good week of the Black and Blue Report. And as I mentioned, good to be back in New Orleans after an emotional day and night yesterday in Oklahoma City. Unfortunately, the Pelicans uh, lost last night shorthanded uh, to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, and now uh, head into the All-Star break with a record of 20-33. and 33. Uh, Last night's game was, I, I know, going to be a tough one. And sure enough, it was against a, a very good opponent. But under the emotional circumstances uh, with the passing of Ingrid Williams this week and uh, the guys uh, being in Oklahoma City and playing the Thunder team that was also affected, uh, I think the emotions and the uh, drain of the back-to-back and the quality opponent did a number on the Pelicans in the second half last night, and uh, things kind of fell apart, and Oklahoma City kind of ran away with last night's game. But we're into the All-Star break now, and uh, some much-needed rest is is coming for several of the guys. Of course, Anthony Davis and his family left straight for Toronto last night after the game for uh, this weekend's All-Star festivities, and we're excited for Anthony. It is his third All-Star appearance, and He's representing us, so let's let's hope that he uh, gets some good run on Sunday, and uh, and uh, continues to build upon uh, what has been a great story already. Uh, you know, with Anthony Davis and the Pelicans, and and uh, his place with USA Basketball and the like. Anthony was one of three players that did go see former head coach Monty Williams yesterday to uh, grieve with him, and uh, Anthony was joined by Eric Gordon yesterday and Ryan Anderson too. So. Uh, in some way, I think that it was good that the Pelicans played in Oklahoma City yesterday uh, to wrap up their pre-All-Star break schedule. And uh, they'll be idle now until uh, next Friday, one week from today, when they resume play with 29 to go, and they'll host the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. Unfortunately, we also got some injury news last night. Tyreek Evans is now done for the season. He had successful surgery on his right knee yesterday. So we'll see what the Pelicans do with his roster spot. Uh, not necessarily, you know, they can't change his roster spot, but they've got to do something to uh, add some more depth to the guard position. And we have the trade deadline coming up on Wednesday the 18th, and so we'll see if it's a busy time around the league or if it'll be relatively quiet uh, heading into the uh, stretch run with the uh, NBA seeing some powerful teams at the top of both conferences uh, and then kind of a log jam for a lot of folks in the 4 through 10 spots in both the East and the West. So, I don't know if teams will stand pat. I don't know if it'll be busy. Um, I do know that the uh, the new salary cap projections for the summer are certainly going to affect things in a way that I would say um, might make it a little uh, less busy here coming up toward the All-Star break. Nonetheless, we'll talk some more basketball today with head coach Alvin Gentry. We want to get his thoughts on the Pelicans, I guess, quote-unquote first half of the season. Heck, we're 53 games into this thing but also about the All-Star Weekend and what it means for Anthony Davis and, and what some of his uh, memories are of All-Star Weekend's past. Uh, we'll do that today on the Black and Blue Report. And then on the football side of things, uh, I, I can't tell you how great this conversation 
that I had with Richard Stanfield yesterday that we're going to share with you today. Uh, his father, Dick Stanfield, is going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame posthumously this summer for his play as an offensive lineman in the 1950s. He won two championships and then had a really long career as primarily an offensive line coach in the NFL with two different stints uh, here in New Orleans. First in the late 70s with uh, Hank Stram and then Dick Nolan, and then, and then did serve as a head coach briefly on an interim basis uh, for the um, final quarter of the 1980 season, which wasn't a great one for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Stanfield then went on to uh, have a great run with the Chicago Bears and Mike Ditka and then returned to New Orleans with Coach Ditka uh, for a couple of years before eventually retiring back in, I want to say, 1999. So uh, a new Hall of Famer in Dick Stanfield, unfortunately, uh, posthumously, but uh, we're going to visit with his son today, learn more about his father's story and uh, what this honor means for his family uh, this summer in Canton, Ohio. So good stuff today. We'll start with that conversation, and then we'll play you the Alvin Gentry uh, segment, which comes from his radio show last night, before we wrap up this Friday here from Studio B on the campus of the Saints and Pelicans. Join your New Orleans Pelicans on Thursday, February 25th at 7 p.m. at the Smoothie King Center when your Pelicans tip off against All-Stars Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Pelicans Fest starts at 5.30 with music, interactive games, and appearances by Pierre and the Pelicans Dance Team. Limited tickets are still available, so don't miss out on any of the action. And call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your tickets today. You owe it to yourself and your home to call Terminex. I'm Vincent Palumbo. Whether you need a lifetime termite damage guarantee or hassle-free pest control service, we do it all. And I'm Ed Martin, Terminex entomologist. We have developed a convenient pest control system where we're scheduled in your home only twice a year. We attack bugs outside where they live. Call 834-7330 for guaranteed control of any pests or termites. Terminex does it all. Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today. Welcome back to this Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. It's it's a bit of a special celebration for us uh, here today, and it'll continue as we uh, discuss the Pro Football Hall of Fame and what it means in 2016. But, you know, as we look at this year's uh, class, there are two connections uh, to the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, Kenny Stabler played and many people don't realize this, three seasons with the black and gold. Of course, he'll be enshrined as a member of the Raiders, and rightfully so. But there is a connection on that front. And the other one, of course, is with a, a player from the 1950s, an outstanding player from the 1950s, and a New Orleans Saints coach in Dick Stanfield, who will be uh, inducted posthumously this summer to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And uh, we're very, very treated today to have his son, Richard Stanfield, join us uh, from the Chicago area to talk about the life and uh, and the legacy and the connection here to New Orleans of Stanfield. Richard, good morning. So glad you could join us today. Good morning, Sean. Happy to be with you. Happy to share some wonderful times in the Stanfield family. No doubt. Um, first of all, as we just spoke a, a moments ago before we started uh, rolling our, our, our tape today, uh, in some ways this has to be a bit bittersweet. So sweet this past weekend and certainly uh, such an honor for your father and, and the family, but as he passed away last summer, all of us wish that he could uh, be enshrined in person coming this summer. No question about it. Um, you know, it's, it, as you said, it's been a bittersweet uh, sort of summer and leading up to the Hall of Fame this year. And this is, uh, 
You know, it's been this is the third time Dad was was nominated. It's been unprecedented for a senior candidate. Ninety three, he was nominated, and in two thousand and twelve again he was nominated, and we were extremely hopeful. But I think that uh, you know, sadly, uh, with Dad's passing, this third time ended up being the charm for us. And uh, even though he's not with us, he's smiling on on this moment and very happy. Although. You know, Dad was a, a man of few words and uh, a very uh, um, no ego involved and would never brag about himself, but I'm sure that this moment is a smiling moment for him up in heaven. Playing for the Detroit Lions and the Washington Redskins and also winning championships, um, when, you, when you would ask him about his playing days in the 1950s, mm-hmm. uh, what story would he tell the most, Richard? Well, he, he would talk about the toughness of the – of the players uh, of his era and how, um, you know, there was nothing like, like the guys from back then, you know, they weren't, they weren't high priced players. They did. They, many of them played the game because frankly, they, they loved the game and uh, you know, the, the toughness that came out in those days, you know, I, I, I it's hard to relate to the same players of, of today. You know, they'll, they'll continue to play in today's day because uh, the money's extremely good and why wouldn't you play? But at that time, they weren't making the money, and the TV deals weren't the deals that they have today. So it was a, a lot of the love of the game. He would talk about stories from his teammates. They celebrated two championships in Detroit in uh, 52 and 53. Um, in 53 was a real magical time for Dad. He was, as far as I know, he's the only offensive lineman to ever be named MVP of his team in the year they won the championship, and that's special mm-hmm. because it had to do with the players that he played with. You know, they, they had a lot of respect for his game. And just just the stories and the camaraderie from some of the greats like Bobby Lane and Doak Walker and Yale Larry and Joe Schmidt, some wonderful names in the 50s, and, and they became, you know, family altogether. So just the, the, the camaraderie and, and the moments are really special in the 50s. Let's talk about Dick Stanfield's uh, connection to the New Orleans Saints. And, and it's interesting because it happens on two different occasions here as a coach. Um, you were a younger man the first time mm-hmm. around when Hank Stram brought him on right. uh, in the late 70s. Um, first of all, I guess, you know, just like any good New Orleanian, you probably should share where you went to high school and how all that played out. But <laughs> what do you remember from that time in the late 70s? Well, it was a. Uh... You know, you're young, but it's it's pretty indelible in your mind to think back to those days. And I, I was a, a young man that got to live live the dream of being uh, a coach's son and sort of living the experience through my dad. And when I was, I went to Rummel High School and uh, have a lot of good friends that's, that uh, you know were good classmates of mine that are probably in that area. But it was it it was very special. We got to. Uh, you know, be in the locker room, you know, be around these great players. And, and it was, you know, many people, you know, in that era, if, I'll, I'll bring you back to the 70s at the New Orleans Saints, and it was an up-and-coming. You know, Hank Stram had gone off and things weren't doing well. But but Dad was still sort of there. And then Dick Nolan came in, and uh, they went 7-9. and nine. And then the following year, they went 8-8, eight and eight, and there was a lot of, I, I mean, it's hard to imagine because the Saints have such a, a uh, wonderful history, at least most recently, with winning teams. It's hard to imagine that the town celebrated like it did at eight and eight. You know that was a magical time for them, and and that just shows to the the spirit of the people in New Orleans. I mean, they love a winner, and they thought they were on something pretty special. So, uh, I, I you know that that was a, a wonderful time in our life to be. What a great city! What a great experience! Even though you know uh, eight and eight, you know having a a 
victory as far as New Orleans was concerned at that time. Yeah, no doubt. Well, unfortunately, 8-8 eight eight turned into 0-12 in 1980, yeah. and, and Dick Nolan gets fired. Uh, right. And then your father is asked to become the interim head coach for the final, I guess it was probably four games of that season. Mm-hmm. And, and in a dark season, uh, your father delivered the one win of that season as a head coach. Um, that, that in itself had to be kind of weird. You, you, you get this chance to finally be a head coach in a, in a season mired with problems, uh, and, and you get to win a game in the NFL as a head coach. I, I, just, I, I look at that one game as something probably so significant in his life. It was it was special, and it was, you know, like you mentioned, we went from eight and eight to the wheels falling off and things heading in the other direction. And uh, when Dick Nolan was fired, Dad was extremely close. And the one thing I will say about my father is he was an extremely loyal person. And when he was asked by John Meekum to take over the team as an interim head coach for Dick Nolan, my dad didn't want to take the job. He was adamant that he wasn't going to take it because Dick Nolan was, you know, his guy, his his mentor in many ways, and uh, Dick Nolan had to talk him into taking that job to to try and you know you know uh, pick up the pieces and at least finish the season respectfully. And I think that as far as my memory goes, um, you know there was a different era. As soon as Dad took over, there was uh, you know things changed a little bit. You know, guys uh, for whatever reason uh, found motivation to play play out for Dad, and and they played hard every game. If you look back at those games, I recall being. In the game, almost at one of all those four games, they were in the game, and uh, uh, they ended up getting the only win for that year, which uh, felt good. And Dad was uh, being considered for the head coaching job if it weren't for Bum Phillips, who had, had a was the, sort of the highlighted uh, name of that time. I think that Dad might have, you know, history might have changed, and he might have been that head coach, and who knows what could have happened. But it was a bittersweet time at that time as well with Dick Nolan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, being fired and dad deciding to take over it. Uh, uh, he did his best. The twists and turns here, and, and forgive me because I'm going to gloss over a glorious time with the Chicago Bears in the 1980s, which included, of course, the 85 championship. But he, lo and behold, Mike Ditka uh, becomes the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. Uh, how in the heck did Coach Ditka coach your father basically out of retirement to come back to New Orleans and be his offensive line coach? That's that's a, that's a great point. You know, um, Coach Ditka, Dad had decided when 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 the era had ended with the Bears that he was going to be in retirement, and he was you know, he was uh, in 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 his seventies, and it was you know, he said, "I've had a long career. This is good for me. I'm I'm good to go." Uh, but yeah. Coach Ditka really had to make a, a a play to have Dad come out of retirement. But you know, Dad always said, if it wasn't that a city that he was extremely familiar with and had a wonderful time. Uh, like New Orleans, it wouldn't have happened if it was Cleveland or, or uh, you know, Denver or something completely different. If it wasn't for New Orleans and it being New Orleans particularly, he wouldn't have come out for those two years. But I think it speaks to, you know, Dit- Coach Ditka having a great respect for his ability to coach offensive linemen and, and thought that it was the right fit to bring someone in uh, that, that could could coach up a team. And he, he enjoyed his two years and said, you know, that was that was time for him. So he ended up officially retiring a year before Coach Ditka was no longer there. But, again, it, it was because it was New Orleans and how special New Orleans was to him. He was in his early 70s at that time. Unbelievable. Right. Um, heck, when, you th- when I'm, looking at, I'm looking at this story about your father, um, and when I see names like Hank Stram and Mike mm-hmm. Ditka, I mean, how did you as a young man coming up and, and you know, probably – 
um, whether it be just observing as a son uh, or hearing your dad speak, how did you not have like the best dinners and stories and everything else? <laughs> when did. you look back at not only your father playing in the era that he did, but also to be around these personalities like Ditkin, Stram, and others. It was. It's really surreal to think about the people that we've we got to behind the scenes with. You know, Coach Ditka, Coach Stram, and we were we were blessed. We got to we 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 were uh, you know with Dad all the time. We were had the, for whatever reason we were chosen to work training camp in the Stram and Nolan Errors and even in coach with Coach Ditka up in Chicago. So my brothers and I have two younger brothers. We we were pretty pretty special. I, I mean the stories are nonstop. The dinners we had, you know, I can name, uh, you know, one of the places that we would meet in Fat City, Impostados. Joe Impostado would have wonderful meals for us, and we'd we'd spend time with players and coaches after games. And it, I, you know, the stories were immense and, and action packed, and kind of the behind the scenes. We're we're truly blessed to have a insider look as as children behind the coach. Uh, having never met you or your father, uh, unfortunate in both circumstances, but my, my appetite has been whetted by our conversation, to say the least. Uh, Richard, when I, when, when, when I get ready to wrap up our visit here, uh, what is it that you want Saints fans, football fans, listening to our visit today to know about your father that maybe I haven't been able to lead you toward? Well, I would say that, you know, particularly when we talk about dads, Pro Football Hall of Fame career. I can't tell you how many people come. Is he going in as a coach? And I said, well, no, no, no. This is all about his playing days. And although he only played for eight years in the NFL, I would say that if you talk to players that he played, they respected his coaching. And they knew that even though they had not seen him play, he probably took his playing days and his skills and his tact and all the things that wrap up into an NFL player, and he sort of brought it into his coaching. So his coaching probably mirrored his playing. So the respect and honor that he's gained throughout his 37 years in the coaching field, along with his eight years as a player in the NFL, sort of wraps up as a guy that um, truly is a man of the NFL and, and respected by all that touched. So that's probably, if I had to sort of wrap it up, that would be my father. Well said. Uh, two questions. I could talk to you for hours about this, but two more quick <laughs> questions. Number one, I have to know, how did you find out that, that your father, Dick Stanfield, was going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Uh, we'll just start with that. How did you learn of the news? Again, it's, 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 it's pretty much um, the moment that we found out. The process is com- very stressful. We're all segregated, and we were all in, in San Francisco, my family and my brothers and I and our families, segregated in a room. We were all, all players that are nominated are sort of segregated to the room at 2.30 in the afternoon while the NFL meetings move forward uh, with the writers trying to decide who belongs and who doesn't belong. But, you know, uh, excruciating, probably hour and a half waiting, and then uh, we were told we would get a knock at the door or a phone, a knock at the door if he was in and a phone call if he wasn't in. So you can imagine that it was an excruciating time to be sitting in our room waiting for him. And the elation that we, that we celebrated when uh, David Baker, the president of the hall of fame uh, knocked on our door. And he's a, and I have to tell you the knock. If, if anybody that knows David Baker, he's a man of six, six stature, six foot eight, 400 pound man, 
bubbling. So the knock at the door almost knocked me out of my shoes. So it was <laughs> it was an unbelievable feeling, and like I said, a surreal moment for the Stanfell family. Uh, again, congratulations, uh, Richard. What what kind of a plan are you putting together for you and your brothers and your families for this summer in Canton, Ohio? Well, I can't tell you. It's going to be another whirlwind. We've got uh, we're, we're trying to gather anybody that uh, you know anyone that played for Dad anyone that coached with him, anyone that played with him, both his college. It's going to be sort of the gathering of the people most important to my father's life, and along with family, of course. And we're going to gather, and we're going to try and put together a party in Canton. We've got an opportunity. Each, each inducted, elected uh, Hall of Fame member could put together a party. So we're planning on trying to put together a wonderful party and let everybody else sort of join us in this wonderful celebration of Dad's life and his legacy forever in the Hall of Fame. It's, it's going to be special in Canton. No doubt. Um, do me a favor. Make me a promise, will you, that the next time you uh, and your family make your way through New Orleans for some reason, uh, will you let us know? And, uh, and we'd love to, to meet you in person and maybe uh, and uh, celebrate your father's legacy even a little more. Absolutely. New Orleans is one of my most favorite towns. Great friends, great people. Great respect for the for the for the franchise there as well. It's been really special to be a part of New Orleans, and absolutely, we'll give you guys a call when we're in town. Richard Stanfill, our guest here on the Black and Blue Report, his father Dick Stanfill goes into the Pro Football Hall of Fame this summer. Uh, I really appreciate your time, Richard. This has been a treat to visit with you on this Friday. My pleasure, Sean. Have a great day. How much do you want to lose this year? 5, 10, 15 pounds? It's time to set your goal and go for it with the Smoothie King Change a Meal Challenge. Just change one meal a day with one of 20 delicious meal replacement smoothies, all under 400 calories per 20-ounce serving, and see how much you can lose. With flavors like pineapple mango, almond mocha, and more, it's easier than ever to reach for your goals. Take the Change a Meal Challenge, only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Weight loss is based on a low-calorie diet and exercise program. Consult your physician before beginning any diet program. Ever been surprised by a bill? A big bill that's higher than expected? Entergy's online tools let you take control. Try level billing so there are no surprises. Pick a due date that works for you. And sign up for alerts to remind you when your bill is due. Make your bills fit your budget. Don't wait another month. Take action today at EntergyIdeas.com. That's the power of people. Entergy. Pelicans.com and NewOrleansSaints.com. Your first stop when following your teams. Last night prior to the game against the Thunder, another edition of the Alvin Gentry Radio Show aired on um, 99.5 WRNO-FM here in New Orleans. Um, We have a lengthy visit with head coach Alvin Gentry each Thursday night on this show, and I want to play a segment of that conversation for you now uh, regarding the Pelicans and uh, where they are and what All-Star break means to him as we uh, continue on today's Black and Blue Report. All right, Coach, I know it's not the halfway point, but we'll take a break tonight with the All-Star break, and um, and that's a, a moment in time for this season. Um, you want to look back on the on the, on the the first 50-some games, or are you ready for a break in some way too? Uh, you know, I, I think if I was looking back on our season right now, I would just look at really about the first uh, 12 or 15 games where, you know, the, the we were decimated with injuries and uh, – we had two guys start on our team that had not been in training camp, but basically we picked up and all of a sudden they're playing major minutes for us. Uh, and we're still trying to fight through that situation right there. 
we've almost, I mean, we played kind of 500 basketball uh, since that start, uh, but we're st still trying to climb out of the hole that we dug. With regard to the All-Star break, Coach, and, and the All-Star weekend, do you watch? Do you like uh, the way it lays out now? This year in Toronto, obviously. Uh, I try to get away from it for that weekend. And, uh, you know, the game is strictly a fan's game. It's not the way that uh, uh, these guys would play in a real competitive situation, I think. Maybe the last few minutes of the game uh, when they're trying to win. Uh, I think it's strictly a, a, a weekend for the fans. And they get the guys get to showcase what they can do. And uh, the three-point shootout and things like that, I think, has really become big for the fans. Uh, but it's, a, it's, it's, it's really a way for the coaches to kind of step away and, and take a deep breath, I think. Last year, you didn't get to do that. You coached in the All-Star game. What was that like? Uh, it was great. It was great. I had the opportunity to coach in three of them. And, uh, you know, fortunately for us, we won them all. Uh, you know, the first one I coached in, we had Michael Jordan. That kind of helped, you know. And, mm -hmm. and then uh, <laughs> the last two, you had Kobe Bryant and, <laughs> and got Tim Duncan and Mark Gasol and, you know, uh, Russell Westbrook, who uh, went for 43. So uh, it's really fun. It's a really fun uh, uh, time being there and, and getting to know all of those guys uh, from a personal standpoint and kind of realizing their personality and things like that. So uh, it's fun to be involved like that. From, from afar, though, um, I don't think a lot of guys sit down and watch that. Fair enough. Let me ask you this, though, from a head coach's standpoint, or, or even a coaching staff, I should say, standpoint, you know, like tonight here against Oklahoma City, you'll go in, you'll probably have a final message for your team, you'll go over some stuff on the big board. At an all-star game, when you see a room like that with Anthony Davis and Tim Duncan and Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, uh, what do you say when you go into the room right before they go out for the layup line there at the all-star game? Well, it's kind of funny because last year Steve said that uh, uh, let's pass it and let's shoot it and let's score. I think something along those lines. Uh, but that's about it. Uh, the, the, what you try to do mainly in an all-star game as a coaching staff is that you try to make sure that you're keeping track of time so all the guys get an opportunity to, you know, you want to try to play them uh, equal minutes if you possibly can. So we do a lot of that. And uh, and then when a guy gets it going, it's, it's, it's fun being there because, like, Russell got it going last uh, year at the all-star game, and the guys really wanted to keep him in there and really wanted to see if he could get 50 points, and he came pretty close to doing it. Just that. Anthony Davis representing not only um, the Pelicans, but New Orleans at the All-Star game here for this third time. In some way, Coach, is having an All-Star on your roster a status symbol for the franchise itself? Well, I think so because, uh, you know, Anthony's been great uh, in that he doesn't talk about just representing the Pelicans, but talk about representing the city of, of New Orleans, as you said. So I think that's always good. Uh, you know, the All-Star game here I thought was uh, absolutely great. Uh, it's a great city to be in, and, and uh, you know, just to have him as an all-star and representing us, I think, uh, speaks volumes about our franchise and the city of New Orleans. So you can hear the entire uh, conversation with head coach Alvin Gentry later today on Pelicans.com, a little bit of an encore performance of last night's Alvin Gentry radio show, which will take a break now this coming week for All-Star and then resume uh, two weeks from yesterday. All right, quick break, and then we'll wrap up this Friday edition here on the Black and Blue Report. The Harlem Globetrotters bring their 90th anniversary world tour to the Smoothie King Center for two shows Saturday, April 2nd. Witness some of the world's best athletes execute unbelievable feats of ball handling, trick shots, and comedy. It's the team's most epic tour in 90 years and a lifelong memory in the making. 
Score your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. And don't miss your chance to get in on the action at the Smoothie King Center, Saturday, April 2nd at 2 and 7 p.m. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. So don't forget to check out our own Anthony Davis this weekend at the All-Star Festivities in Toronto. Anthony and a couple of the other bigs, for the first time ever, will be uh, participating in the Taco Bell Skills Challenge as a part of All-Star Saturday night. And then Anthony Davis uh, will uh, serve as a reserve on the Western Conference All-Star team in Sunday's All-Star game. Hoping that's a great uh, weekend up in Toronto. The uh, weather right now up there is 12 degrees. Uh, that would be Fahrenheit. <laughs> and so um, I'm hoping that they have a successful run there. And maybe just reinforces the fact that the All-Star game should be in New Orleans every year. You know, it is the perfect place for All-Stars, Super Bowls, Final Fours, and, and college football championships. Final Fours, too. That's just my own personal opinion. Um, you may agree or disagree uh, with that matter. Thanks to Richard Stanfeld for sharing um, his father's story with us today on the Black and Blue Report. And we'll look forward to seeing you back here on Monday as we'll resume our uh, podcast during this All-Star break, uh, we'll have uh, some guest hosts in next week and uh, probably a great lineup of guests as well. We'll see you uh, on Monday, anytime afternoon for No Appointment Radio, of course, the Black and Blue Report. And uh, you all have a great weekend. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. And we'll see you next time right here from Studio B. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back next week. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.